Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Mid-East soccer podcast. I am your host, James Dorsey. Demonstrators in Sudan, Algeria, and nations beyond the Middle East, such as Pakistan and Russia, are applying lessons learned from the 2011 popular Arab revolts, as the Sudanese military uses an apparent Saudi UAE template to crack down. This week's crackdown in the Sudanese capital of Khartoum, in which at least 60 people have been killed and hundreds wounded, has all the telltale signs of the Saudi UAE assisted repression of a 2011 revolt in Bahrain. The deaths have also sparked comparisons to a crackdown on protesters on a Cairo square in 2013 by Saudi UAE-backed Egyptian general turned president Abdel Fattah al-Sisi that left up to 1,000 people dead. The crackdown, despite an apology by Lieutenant General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, the head of Sudan's Transitional Military Council, or TMC, like in Bahrain, involved not only the shooting of protesters, but also attacks on hospitals treating the wounded and the beating up of medical staff. General Al-Burhan and the TMC took power in April after months of protests forced President Omar al-Bashir to resign after 26 years in office. Protesters and analysts noted that the crackdown came on the heels of visits to the UAE, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt by General al-Burhan. It also followed Saudi Arabia and the UAE pledging $3 billion to help Sudan weather the crisis. UAE Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed promised General al-Burhan to help preserve Sudan's security and stability. The U.S. State Department signaled its belief that Gulf states may have inspired the violence by describing it as a brutal crackdown and stressing to Saudi Deputy Defense Minister Khalid bin Salman the importance of a transition from the Transitional Military Council to a civilian-led government in accordance with the will of the Sudanese people. The degree to which Sudanese protesters are willing to implement lessons learned from the 2011 revolts will be determined by their willingness and ability to sustain their protests in the face of violence. The opposition this week rejected an offer by General Al-Burhan to reopen negotiations and hold elections within nine months. We believe that the matter is now in the hands of the Sudanese people. This regime will fall no matter what, said Khalid Omar Youssef, a leader of the Declaration of Freedom and Change Forces, an alliance of opposition groups. The protesters, like their counterparts in Algeria, who in April forced the resignation of President Abdulaziz Bouteflika, have vowed to sustain their protests until their demand has been met that the old regime has been dismantled and replaced by civilian rule. Protesters in 2011 that toppled the leaders of Egypt, Tunisia, Libya, and Yemen declared victory 
and surrendered the street once they had forced their leaders to step down. The surrender helped successful efforts to roll back the revolt's success in three of the four countries, with Tunisia, where civilian rule and democracy prevailed, constituting the only exception. The years between the rollback of the achievements of the revolts and the eruption of mass anti-government demonstrations in Algeria and Sudan were pockmarked by small-scale, issue-oriented protests across the Middle East and North Africa. A military squashing of the Sudanese protests, if Bahrain is the model, could introduce not only a period of sustained small-scale protests, but also of low-level violence. The threat of sustained instability in Sudan is enhanced by the fact that this week's crackdown was carried out by the feared Rapid Support Forces, RSF, paramilitaries accused of systematic human rights abuses during the war in Darfur. The forces led by General Mohammed Hamdan Dagalo, known as Hemedikti, who also serves as deputy head of the TMC, and like General Al-Burhan, has close ties to the UAE and Saudi Arabia. The Middle Eastern and North African model of smaller-scale, issue-oriented protests has been replicated in Pakistan and Russia, with the government in Moscow adopting a more conciliatory tone than the Pakistani military. The military appears determined to put an end to sustained peaceful protests by the Pashtun Tahafuz Movement, PTM, or Pashtun Protection Movement, an ethnic rights group that has called the security forces to account for extrajudicial killings and other injustices. Trying to stop a rights demonstration in the troubled region of Waziristan, security forces on Sunday killed at least eight people and detained Ali Wazir, one of the movement's leaders and a member of parliament. PTM leaders, like protesters in Sudan, Algeria, and Russia, are increasingly less intimidated by security force violence or dire warnings that they risk exposing their country to the fate of Libya, Syria, or Yemen that have been racked by civil war and foreign military intervention since the 2011 protests. PTM members are nonviolent, but prepared to die to speak the truth. And our security forces have no answer, said Afrasia Khatak, a retired politician and commentator. Protesters across Russia express similar degrees of fearlessness. Rallies and protests are now occurring with increasing frequency, primarily because Russians no longer care if the authorities refuse to sanction a given gathering, making it and participation in it illegal. Indeed, protesters are becoming radicalized. They now refuse to buckle under pressure, and they are willing to take to the streets over issues as non-political as the environment and as local as the construction of a cathedral, said Russian journalist Andrei Persev. For now, Russia, compared to Sudan, Pakistan, and Algeria, is the exception. Authorities, apparently so far unwilling to use violence, have sought to accommodate protesters.
and in some cases have met their demands. Unlike the 2011 Arab protests that often started in second and third tier cities before going nationwide, a well-placed source in Moscow said the Russian protests were unlikely to spread to the Russian capital, where security was far tighter. If there is one fundamental lesson to be learned, it is that the most recent wave of protests signals that an era of dissent and defiance that started in 2011 is far from over. Each wave takes in the lessons of the mistakes of its predecessor. Violence, repression, and even starker authoritarianism delays the process, but does little to end it. Accommodation helps diffuse immediate tensions, but is likely to fuel dissent, said Mohammed Yusuf al-Mustafa, a spokesman for the Sudanese Professionals Association, which has spearheaded the protests in the wake of the military crackdown. We have no choice but to continue our protests and civil disobedience until the fall of the military council. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.